Welcome to the serialized short story audiobook Blood is Red, written and performed by author Scott Sigler. Get the stories in Blood is Red for all ebook readers from scottsigler.com slash blood is red or from that same page as a full-length audiobook. You can also buy the Blood is Red ebook directly from the Kindle store, the Nook store, Apple's iBooks, and from Google Books. This book contains harsh language, adult situations, and lots and lots of violence. So if you're easily offended, fire up some Justin Bieber instead and enjoy. Wolf by Scott Sigler In the time before man, one social animal ruled the Americas. The wolf. Wolf packs roamed the continent hunting and killing and breeding. They were the dominant species. A full wolf pack could back down any predator, even the great grizzly bears. But before wolves saw the death that would walk on two legs, there came another danger. Black Nose padded through the woods, a silent gray silhouette lost among the curled snowdrifts and thick underbrush. Sometimes the snow-covered growth grew so thick he had to brush against it to move past, knocking little clumps of wet white from the twigs and branches. He saw no other tracks, smelled no other wolves. But he did smell something. It smelled wrong. Very wrong. Black Nose's lip curled up in an involuntary snarl. He'd never smelled anything like this before. The smell of burned wood. That he knew. He'd seen the orange monster once, during a rainstorm, when a flash of light turned a tall tree into splinters. The smell of pine sap from broken branches. That he knew. The heavy smell of disturbed earth, like after a rock slide or a flood. He knew those as well. But he didn't know the other smells. The new dead smells the new living smell. A new living smell in his pack's territory. Black Nose advanced through snow that reached almost to his belly. Out in the fields, the snow was much deeper. So deep, only his head peeked out above the endless white expanses. In the fields, he had to jump up just to run forward. But here in the woods, amongst the undergrowth, he moved with all the noise of the wind's faintest whisper. A new living smell in his pack's territory. He moved towards it. He knew he should go back, get the others. Get Half-Lip. That's what Half-Lip would want. But he didn't listen to Half-Lip anymore. Not as much as he used to. Black Nose had felt urges lately. Desires. Rages. Rages against Half-Lip. Black Nose paused to lick at the small wound on his left foreleg. Half-Lip had done that when Black Nose hadn't backed down. He'd always backed down in the past, simultaneously snarling and cowering against Half-Lip's strength and ferocity. It wasn't the first wound from a fight with Half-Lip. It wouldn't be the last, because Black Nose just couldn't help himself anymore. They'd fought many times, and Half-Lip always won, always put Black Nose on his back, tail tucked between his legs, throat exposed in capitulation. Half-Lip always won. Except this time, Black Nose hadn't been the only one to suffer a wound. He'd pushed Half-Lip back, 
driving at him with strong legs and the big, muscular chest of a 16-month-old gray wolf. He'd bitten Half-Lip, tearing the animal's ear. He'd tasted Half-Lip's blood. Then Half-Lip had moved fast, so fast, biting down on Black Nose's leg, throwing the younger wolf on his back and locking his jaws on the younger wolf's throat. Just like that, it was over. Then, Half-Lip drove him away from the pack. Capitulation wasn't enough. Not this time. Not after he'd made Half-Lip bleed. Black Nose fled, tail tucked tight, feeling teeth on his flank. He knew he could still return to the pack. At least this time, he could. Someday soon, he'd either drive Half-Lip away and take over dominance, or he'd be driven out. Forever. Black Nose felt those new emotions swell up inside him. Hatred. Rage. The need to attack. To dominate. A new, living smell. In his pack's territory. He didn't need Half-Lip's help. He'd drive this intruder away himself, or kill it outright and feast on its flesh. The smells grew stronger. They were coming from just over the next hill. He growled and lowered his head. But before he could climb, the thing that made the new living smell crested the hilltop. Black Nose felt a blast of cold fear. His lip curled up savagely, his tail tucked far between his legs, his ears fell back flat against his skull. He'd never seen anything like that thing. It didn't look like the deer, or the bear, or the puma, or the birds, or the raccoons, or like anything he'd ever seen. Not as big as a grizzly, but much bigger than Blacknose. It stood up on strange rear legs, bellowing a challenge. Not a roar, not a howl. Something else. Something like the call of the puma, or many owls screeching together. It stood at the top of the hill, silhouetted against the night sky. Dropping back on all fours, strange paws ripped at the ground, tearing up huge chunks of snow-covered dirt. The ground shook as it stamped and roared. It wanted him to run away. But Black Nose wasn't running anymore. Rage burned inside him, ignited by his fight with Half-Lip and stoked by the challenge of this strange creature. This territory belonged to Black Nose and his pack, nothing else. He felt the low growl build up in his throat. His body vibrated with anger. Rage. The need to dominate. He let out a hoarse, challenging bark, then charged up the hill, fangs bared and yellow eyes wide with defiance. The thing thundered down the hill to meet him. New living smells drifted faintly in on a light morning breeze. New dead smells drifted in as well. But there was another smell, a stronger smell, both new and familiar at the same time. Familiar, because it was Black Nose. New, because it was Black Nose, combined with the stench of the dead. The pack padded over a hilltop, looked down the slope into a hollow. There lie Black Nose, or what was left of him. Red blood stained the white snow, scattered everywhere as if rabbits had soaked in his body's blood, then ran off in panic, leaving trails of bright red splatters in their wake. 
Crows bobbed about on his corpse, their black, black beaks pecking in and coming away with limp, wet slivers of dangling meat. Chickadees called out, their song ringing through the trees. The fight was over, Blacknose was dead, and the woods didn't care. Halflip sniffed the air as he surveyed the scene. There was even blood splatters on some of the trees, as high up as two wolves standing on end. Blacknose's intestines trailed out, up the hollow slope, as if he'd run with them dragging out behind. His rear leg was nothing but a ravaged, bloody stump. Five adult males, three adult females, and four first winners looked at the mutilated remains of their packmate. No tooth let out a low whine. She held her head low, but kept her eyes fixed on her son's corpse. Half-lip looked at his mate. She always kept such a strong bond with her broods, even after they were grown enough to fight for dominance. She probably didn't see what Half-lip saw. A strong, healthy male ripped to shreds. He knew she saw the puppy she'd nursed, the one she'd kept alive as five of his eight littermates died before first winter. Now only two remain from that litter, both male, Chewfoot and the Sneezer, who also stood there, staring down at Blacknose's remains. Half-Lip absently wondered if either of those two would make their move soon, if they'd fight for control of the pack. He wasn't worried. They weren't half the fighter their brother had been. But what had killed Blacknose? A wolf pack feared nothing, but a lone wolf? That was a different story. A lone wolf had to fear the puma. A puma would normally run away. But sometimes, pumas grew hungry. Hungry enough to attack. But a hungry puma carried its kill into the trees, and whatever tore Blacknose apart hadn't eaten anything. It had killed him just to kill him. Half-Lip trotted down the hill alone. The pack stayed behind. The crows flapped away, cawing in annoyance. A slight wind slithered through the trees, fluttering his fur, sending powdery white dancing across the snow's smooth surface. The wind came from just over the next hill, and with it came that new living smell. That wrong smell. Half-Lip felt his tail sneak between his legs, just a little, felt his ears fall flat. He heard his pack whining. His fear brought them to the edge of panic. Half-Lip stopped, forced his tail down, picked his ears up. Chewfoot and the Sneezer were of age. He couldn't afford to show any weakness, not even now. They weren't strong enough to beat him, but they might get in a lucky bite. That was, after all, how he'd taken over the pack four winters before, when his teeth drew gushes of hot blood from the neck of Longtail. Half-Lip reached Blacknose. His son's blood seemed to be everywhere. Even in death, the scent of fear or panic clung to his remains. Also, a vague hint at the smell of challenge. Blacknose's stomach had been torn open. Broken ribs stuck up like dry twigs. One eye ripped out, along with most of the fur on the side of his head. His tracks led halfway up the hill, where they met the tracks of something else. Tracks the likes of which Half-Lip had never seen. Blacknose had tried to run away, but that was hard to do with only three legs. His other leg, Half-Lip saw, lay partway up the hill. A thick line of blood ran from the leg to Blacknose's body. His son had fought, lost, then ran. Whatever it was had chased him down, 
and torn him to shreds. Halflip started to snarl. He looked up the hill, along the tracks made by Blacknose and his enemy. Wind streamed into Halflip's face, and along with it came new smells. Among those smells, the same scent that coated the corpse of Blacknose. His son's killer was not far away. Halflip lifted his head and let out a long howl. It was a call of pain for losing one of their own. It was also a battle cry. Behind him, No Tooth let out her own sound, one more of pain than anger. Chewfoot and the Sneezer called out, their voices full of rage. Cower and Old White, the other two males, also spoke up. Old White's howl tired but furious, Cower's anger only for show. Cricket Jumper and Dirt Nose, the females, also joined in. Half-Lip had often wondered if Cricket Jumper and Black Nose might leave the pack, go off to start a pack of their own. He didn't have to wonder about that anymore. Another noise answered the pack's call. The sound of a wounded puma, or many owls screeching together. The sound came from the other side of the hill. Half-Lip stopped howling. The others followed suit. He looked back at his pack, let out one small bark, then started to crest the hill, following the trail of footprints and blood. His pack ran to catch up. Only Dirtnose stayed behind to watch the pups. It looked as strange as it smelled. No tooth whined in fear. Cower paced nervously back and forth, his ears flat, his tail tucked. Sneezer's face wrinkled shut for a second, then he let out a head-snapping sneeze. He licked his mouth once, then stood tall and still, just like his brother, Chewfoot, and his grandfather, Old White. Cricket Jumper just growled, a low, steady growl of hatred. Half-Lip kept his tail straight, but he had to concentrate to do so. Such sights he had never seen. Trees lay burned and broken and splintered in a long, wide path, as wide as a river. Where the trees had been now lay only a great, deep gash of dirt and rock and blackened wood. Pieces of something gleamed in the sunlight, gleamed like smooth bits of ice, but ice as gray as his own fur. A giant piece of the gray ice, as big as a cliff, stuck up from the ground. A new hill of dirt and snow and rocks and trees pushed up before it. He saw no fires but the dark smell of burning wood still filled the air. It reminded him of the horrible fire of his first summer, when the orange monster had singed his fur and driven the animals away in waves of panic. The burning smell carried fear, but the smell was weak and old. He didn't think the orange monster was coming, but there was a new monster. It saw them. It let out its screechy challenge. Furless skin the color of the blue jay but so big, almost as big as a bear. Black Nose must have been mad to attack something that large. The head showed no mouth, but had four black eyes. The head moved on a long neck, like a snake, but as thick as a log. On that neck was a strange, moving stripe, like the rings that stretched out when Half-Lip stepped in calm water. This stripe, this ring, it hung freely on the neck, as if the creature had once put its head through the stripe and had never been able to get it out again. Something on the stripe flashed gleaming reflections from the sun, and it made a faint noise, 
like the tinkling of icicles falling from the trees in spring. It roared. Half-Lip finally saw a mouth full of short, jagged, black teeth, but the mouth was down on the body, on the chest, between its two long front legs. Solid rear legs, as big as a bear's, held up the round body. It stood on those rear legs. It took two steps forward, toward the wolf pack. Cower started to slink away, tail tucked between his legs. Half-Lip ran to him, snapping at his head. Cower fell to his back, legs up, tail tucked, but Half-Lip didn't stop. He bit Cower's chest. Cower yelped and snapped, but Half-Lip easily avoided the bite. Half-Lip snapped again, this time biting Cower's ear. Cower scrambled to his feet and ran behind the others, head down, urine dribbling from his tucked tail. That was fine if he hid behind the others, as long as he was with the others. That thing was in the pack's territory. It had to die. Half-Lip knew he'd need every member of his pack to kill it. The pack stood at the top of the hill and howled. They growled. They barked. The fur on their backs rose up in thick streaks. They puffed up their chests, pawed at the ground. They ran halfway down the hill, then came back up. All the warning signs, telling the big blue thing to leave their territory. But it did not move. It stood in front of the gray ice cliff. It would not leave. It roared back at them, pawing at the ground, digging up clumps of dirt, signaling its own challenge. It wanted to scare them, to make the pack go away. But they would not leave. This was their territory. They could not allow such a thing to stay. Half-Lip stopped growling. The pack followed suit. He wanted this thing to leave peacefully, but it was not to be. He'd given it a chance. Now it would come down to strength and savagery. The pack coursed down the hill, seven strong bodies kicking up clouds of powdery snow. Heads down, ears back, eyes up, they drove forward. Half-Lip led them toward their new enemy. The thing ran forward to meet them. The ground trembled when it stepped, as it did when a wounded elk fell hard to its side. Yellow saliva dripped from the black teeth in its chest. The snake-like thing kept the head back. The pack had done this hundreds of times taking out deer or moose, surrounding pumas, even chasing away full-grown bears. Half-Lip skidded to a stop in front of the creature, barking madly as the others whipped around to encircle it. The thing suddenly reared up on its two rear legs, reaching out its front paws, trying to drag Half-Lip into the jagged mouth. Half-Lip lurched away, but not before one of the clawed blue paws ripped a long gash across his right shoulder. He flew through the air, landing awkwardly, his red blood staining the white snow. Old White instantly moved to the front, barking and snapping and trying to hold the thing's attention. It lashed out again. Old White wasn't as fast as Half-Lip. Two blue claws snagged the elderly wolf, pulling him violently in toward the black, slashing teeth. It bit down hard. One horrid yelp, then nothing. Cricket Jumper leapt through the air, her gleaming white fangs sinking deep into the thing's long neck. 
She'd use that move more times than they could remember, using her weight to drag down deer so others could close in for the killing bite. Even as she jumped, Chewfoot and the Sneezer drove at the intruder's rear legs, wet white teeth slashing in the dance of death. The thing roared in pain. Cricket Jumper's move had worked so many times before because a deer could not reach up and grab her. This was no deer. The thing's paws flashed out, pulling her from its neck, her still-locked jaws coming away with a huge chunk of flesh that trailed streams of green blood. One blue paw held her front shoulders, while the other whipped around, catching her under the jaw. Cricket Jumper's head sailed through the air. The thing turned suddenly, trying to spin on Shoefoot and the Sneezer. They danced away, their young bodies fast and quick. It reached for Chewfoot, but he easily darted out of danger, barking a constant challenge. No-Tooth and Cower renewed the attack on the creature's ravaged rear legs. It turned again, faster this time. Cower had only made a token bite. As always, he was at the ready to run. He easily moved clear of the blood-covered blue claws. No-Tooth stayed in for one last bite. Her jaws ripped free a chunk of flesh as she tried to scurry away, but she wasn't fast enough. Clawed paws reached for her. Half-Lip's powerful jaws locked down on one of those paws. His teeth sank through the thick blue skin, deep into flesh, cleaving bones that felt firm yet pliant at the same time. The thing tried to yank free. Half-Lip pulled with all of his strength, ripping his head from side to side to increase the damage. Green blood sprayed onto his face and chest. The creature's free paw reared back to strike, but Shoefoot and the Sneezer sank their fangs into it before it could slash forward. The beast tried to shake free, but a grown wolf weighs over 200 pounds. For all its size and killing quickness, the thing did not have the strength to pull away. No tooth darted in and bit madly at the creature's belly. Coward joined her attack. Half-Lip and his sons held the creature tight. The thing roared in high-pitched pain as No-Tooth and Cower ripped at the belly, tearing out chunk after chunk. Green blood spilled out to stain the snow. The creature slowed, then fell heavily to its side. Half-Lip released his grip on the green-smeared blue paw, snarled, then ran to the four-eyed head. He attacked it, locking on with powerful jaws and thrashing his head back and forth. He felt a crunching sensation, felt something inside giving way. The thing fell still. Half-Lip kept pulling and thrashing. Chewfoot snarled and bit down the long neck. The two wolves pulled and jerked, yanking against each other, lurching back with all their weight. The head ripped free, splattering Half-Lip with more of his enemy's stinking green blood. He tossed the head away. Tasted terrible. He let out a howl, long and angry and challenging. This was their territory. The others joined in, the ones that were left. The survivor sniffed at Old White. He died a noble death, fighting for the pack. Cricket Jumper as well. No Tooth walked up to Half-Lip and started licking at his shoulder wound, her tongue wiping away blood both red and green. He felt weak. Then he saw Chewfoot staring at him head down low, ears back. Was Chewfoot going to challenge? Weakened from the battle, Half-Lip didn't know if he could defend himself against his strong son. Still, he knew many tricks, and he would not give up dominance. Chewfoot started forward, 
head low, body radiating aggression. A noise startled them all. The noise came from the ice-gray shape. The wolves scattered away, looking back as they slowed and stopped. Half-Flip walked forward, head low, ears back. Chewfoot and the sneezer fell in behind him. They moved toward the ice-gray cliff. There were cracks. Coming from inside one of those cracks, a noise. Half-Lip saw something moving in there, something big, bigger than the creature they just killed. Another monster? Whatever it was, it was in their territory. Half-Lip kept his body low to the ground as he crept into the crack, his eyes adjusting from the light of day to the darkness of shadow. Another creature, bigger than the first. This one stood on its rear legs, like the bear did sometimes, or the monster they had just killed. Except this new creature didn't drop back down. It looked balanced, like it could stand on those legs forever. The creature did not move, other than a shake in fear. Half-Lip had never seen fur or skin like that. Different colors, and loose, as if it wasn't actually a part of the creature, but on it. The way a dried leaf flies on the ground, but is not part of the ground. Half-Lip saw that one of the legs was covered in something white. White with many spots of green. Green, just like the blood of the monster they had just killed. This new creature was wounded. And it was afraid. It should be afraid. This was the pack's territory. Half-Lip let out a low growl and padded forward. His sons followed. The new enemy let out a scream but the scream didn't last long. The pack's challenging howls echoed through the land. Author's Note for Wolf I finished the story in November of 2002. Primary inspiration came from an article about the multi-millennial dominance of wolves on the North American continent. As a kid... The works of Jack London were extremely influential to me. I read White Fang more times than I can remember, and A Dog Named Wolf and Call of the Wild at least five times each. Seawolf completely changed my life's direction, but that's a story for another time. I'm sure it was the Jack London influence that drove me to make animals my protagonists. Before the arrival of man on this continent, wolves were a terrifying force across the land. And, no, by, quote, arrival of man, end quote, I don't mean Europeans. This story takes place even before the emigration of peoples across the Bering Strait, the same peoples that would create the Native American tribes. Wolves were dominant pack hunters. They were social creatures, and possibly the smartest animals in the ecosystem. I wondered what it would be like to take this dominant species and pit it against something for which it could have no possible frame of reference. The end result? Jack London takes H.G. Wells out for a whiskey-fueled bender, and at five in the morning they crank out a chilling tale of territorialism and survival. Then Jack punches H.G. in the mouth because that's just how Jack does everything. I hope you enjoyed Wolf. You have been listening to the Blood is Red serialized short story audiobook, written and performed by author Scott Sigler. This audiobook was produced by A. Kovacs and engineered by Ariok Morningstar. 
Theme music is the song Greed by Separation of Sanity. For more information on the author or to hear his free weekly fiction podcast, go to scottsigler.com. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.